Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. We are beginning a brand new series today called Road Trip, and I absolutely love the subtitle. When you're living for the moment, it just shows you've got no vision for tomorrow. Let's go on a road trip together. Ever been on a lousy road trip? Oh, by your reaction, maybe that was coming here this morning. I can tell you, I remember one really lousy road trip that I was on, and I'll never forget it. We're in, as they mentioned in our video announcement, we're in Montego Bay, Jamaica on a missions trip, and the main headquarters of the church that we work with is there in Montego Bay. And at the time, many years ago, they had a little offshoot church in the Grill, Jamaica. It was about a 45-minute trip. And if you know anything about Jamaica, if you've traveled there before, all the money and all the wealth is right on the coast. But if you go just a couple blocks back in Jamaica, it's basically a third-world country, very impoverished. And so this trip to Negril, the road is really, really, really windy and really, really, really messed up. Potholes everywhere, goats and cows, and I kid you not, on the road, very weaving up and down and all around and bumpy. And so we're making this trip to Negril. I'm supposed to minister at this church. I'm supposed to be an anointed man of God. And all of a sudden, about halfway through the trip, I felt it hit me. No, not my wife. It was motion sickness. And, oh, has anybody in the house ever fought off motion sickness before? I'd rather fight a bear. I, I, I really, I, I haven't, and I, so I'm, we certainly believe in it. I'm just a super healthy guy. I haven't had any medicine for 30-something years, just hadn't needed it. I hadn't had a headache for 30-something years. I'm really, really a healthy dude. The only medicine I've ever taken over the last 30-something years is uh, Dramamine. Because it, that motion sickness just hit me. I just, I just needed it. And I, I remember one time, I'm a fisherman, and, and, and I like to fish for shark. And since there's not a lot of shark in Percy Priest, not a lot. I'm trying to stock, so I don't necessarily recommend water skiing there. But I remember one time, uh, I went chartered a boat, and I'd been working with this particular captain for a long time. And, and we talked about finding a tiger shark, a man-eater, a big one, and, 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 and launching off and catching a tiger shark. We've been talking about it for years. So finally, we had the trip all settled. He had special equipment for it, Brett, and we went out on the, on the seas, and he went over this one particular spot over a big wreck that was out there in the middle of the ocean. And all of a sudden, I hooked into a big old tiger shark, and it was big, and it was the fish of a lifetime, and I was all excited, but the only problem was we were in eight-foot swells, 
And man, our ship was rocking and rolling, and I'm right in the middle of having this big old lifetime fish on, and I'm so excited about it, and it hit me again. Here comes this nasty bout of motion sickness, and it was awful, and I knew I was about to talk to Ralph. <laughs> How many know who Ralph is? You know what I'm talking about? I, I, I knew I was in trouble, but I, I couldn't let go of the fish. I couldn't, I didn't, I just don't do it. I couldn't give it to someone else. I had to catch this thing myself. This is a lifetime fish, Steve. And so I, I just, I had to do it. So I thought, all right, I'm in a, in a spot. So I just kept on fishing, turned to the side, talked to Ralph, and then just kept right on fishing. And the captain of the boat, he just looked at me and he said, now that's a fisherman. And then he looked at what he had to clean up, and it changes tune just like that. And I want you to know, as we go into Negril, all of that hit me, and I'm supposed to preach. I'm supposed to be an anointed man of God. Uh, we got there. He didn't talk to Ralph, thank God, but I was close. And so we got there. I was never so glad to see a steady land in my life. Got out, kissed the ground, and just started walking around and praying. I had about 20, 30 minutes before the church service, and I just was trying to walk it off, walk it off, walk it off, walk it off. I still got up there to preach, and I was still a little bit green. And as I started to minister, then you could just tell God's healing power just came, and I was fine. I was able to minister, and we really ministered to a lot of people, and they were greatly affected by the power of the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, thank God. God. I was so excited and so thankful to the Lord. And then I realized as I was getting back on the bus, I had to go back on the same road again to home. That was a really, really lousy road trip. Anybody ever been on a lousy road trip? And if you've never been on a lousy road trip, you can at least witness one. Check it out. Officer, license and registration, please. Oh, sure. Okay. Is there something wrong? Yes, I clocked you running 60 miles per hour. You know, that's 15 over the speed limit. Whew, that didn't sound like me. I mean, I, I don't think I was going that fast. Is there, it must be a mistake. Earl, you are going at least 65 miles per hour. How would you even know? You can't even see. You're so cross-eyed when you cry, tears roll down your back. And also, you had a tail light out. Did you know that? Oh, I didn't know that either. It must have burned out on this trip. Thanks for letting me know. No, Earl, you've been telling me about that tail light for like a month, remember? No, I remember telling you that you're so ugly that you make blind kids cry. Now shut up. And also, you don't have a seatbelt on, and I'm going to have to write that down also. Oh, I, I, I must have taken it off right before you walked up, because I always wear my safety harness, sir. <laughs> Earl, I've never seen you wear a seatbelt in my life. Will you shut up, Medusa? I don't know what your problem is, but I'm sure it's hard to pronounce. Ma'am, does he always talk to you like this? No, no, fine officer. Only when he's drunk. Oh, come on, encourage our Acts of Joy team. <laughs> Not a good road trip. Let's talk about it. Let's grow together. Let me give you seven righteous realms of taking our road trip together. And we're going to start off with our key verses, a couple from Proverbs and all the way back in Habakkuk that's really going to light our vision. Check it out. Where there is no vision. Ever say vision. 
where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, or if we want a new testimony, he that keeps the word, happy is he. Here's the new King James Version of the same verse. Where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. How many know if I've got no revelation, then I cast off my personal restrainers? How many know that we need vision in life? But happy is he who keeps the law. Here's Habakkuk. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Everybody say vision. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end, at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries or though it delays, wait for it because it'll surely come and it won't tarry or delay. The first thing that we're going to need to take this successful road trip with the Lord and to get to God's destination in our life, the first thing we're going to need is vision. Now, you can tell that we have all of these pieces of baggage that we need to take with us on this trip. Let me encourage you today. We're only going to talk about one, and that's vision. Just one. Look at your pastor. How bad can it be? We're only going to talk about one. Now, to all of our guests, our first time guests, and we have many of you, and we're so honored that you're here today. You can tell the little nervous laughter by the crowd that's been here a long time because they know, even though I'm saying we're only going to talk about one point, I have mastered the art of the subpoint. So therefore, even though we're going to take this baggage of vision, this luggage of vision with us today, let's talk about 11 vision values. There's no, by the way, groaning at Joy Church. Save that for hell. <laughs> Number one, if you don't have vision, this is deep, you're going to end up somewhere else. How many know, ladies and gentlemen, that is the definition of being lost? And the Bible talks about that in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 10, Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. Watch this now. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. The word lost in the Greek language is apaliomi, and it literally means someone who's ruined or lost or does not know where they are. How many have met people that just simply do not know Jesus and they are lost? I have also met Christians that are on their way to heaven, but as far as life is concerned, they're lost. They don't know where they are. They don't know where they're going. Let's talk about three lost lessons. This is sub-subpoints. They're very simple. Number one, check it out. When you're lost, you don't pull over for a solution. You pull over for directions. Can anybody in the house remember the age before Siri? Remember the little woman that now tells us what to do? I thought I only had one little woman that told me what to do, and now I've got two. Siri just has an accent, so she sounds more pleasant when she's bossing me around. Remember the days before? How many remember maps? How, 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 many remember, how many remember actually pulling over and having to ask for directions? Does anybody remember that? Now, if you're a man, we don't do that. You know, we, we think, well, okay, Christopher Columbus, he didn't ask for directions, so why would I? So I, I'm not going to do that. But you remember what I'm talking about. Before Siri... You just had to ask. Now, listen to me very closely. 
That's why Jesus' first words, or some of his first words, when he was here on this planet, was, watch this, follow me. Because he knew we were lost, and he knew we needed directions. And isn't it comforting when you find somebody who knows where they're going? Listen, I can tell, I, I've been to different places, have never been there before, and I love meeting someone who's been there before, knows where we are. I went to uh, St. Petersburg, Russia many years ago when Perestroika first came, the communist walls came down. I was one of the first Americans in, and I had no clue as to where I was going or what I was doing. I was never so glad to find my American host as he was over at, we were in the airport, and he was across all the armed guards with machine guns. So glad to find him because he was not lost. He knew where he was going, and I could follow him. And see, we as Americans, we want a solution. We want to pull over for a solution. But Jesus wants us to pull over and follow him because it's not just about being fixed. It's about following and I believe with all of my heart, the fix is in the follow. Second thing that you need to know about being lost, number two, is we get to where we should be the same way we get to where we shouldn't be. In other words, you and I are following something or someone whether we realize it or not. We're going to either end up in God's destination if we follow him or just some destination if we follow the culture. Third thing that you need to know about being lost, and this is imperative, you can be lost and happy because you don't yet know you're lost. I know a lot of people on wrong roads, and they are just happy as they can be because they don't know yet that the bridge is out. And that includes people that don't know Christ and people that are born again. They're heading down wrong paths. That's why if we're going to get to God's destination on this road trip, we've got to have not just our vision, but his. Second thing that we need to know about vision, our second vision value, is vision is the inside picture that gets you to your purpose. Now, what, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, it's imperative that we have that from the Lord. This is something I know very, very, very well. As I've shared with most of you, uh, this is my 41st year of ministry. Somebody encouraged the pastor. So excited. I've got so much more vision at 62 years old. I'm so excited to be alive. I've got vision, vision, vision coming out of my everything. I'm excited about what the Lord is doing. But I can tell you this. I did not give my life to the Lord till I was 20. And I was an alcoholic checking IDs at a bar when I did. But here's something that's interesting about your pastor that you may or may not know. How many know when you're a child, even though all of us are born into sin thanks to Adam, you can find that in Romans chapter 5, there's an innocence about children until they understand the difference between right and wrong. Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 7. He said, I was alive once until the law came and then I died. He wasn't talking physically. He talked about on the inside. How many know if you've got a two-year-old and they tell you, hey, I see, I've saw, Daddy, I saw Santa. They're not lying to you or trying to deceive you. They're just innocent at two years old. How many know if you've got a 14-year-old telling you the same thing? They are a liar. 
big difference. And so I do want you to understand, before I really turned uninnocent as a child, when I was about five or six or seven years old, my mom would drag us to a particular denominational church. I will not mention the denomination, but they were famous for believing nothing. I do not think that the pastor was born again. And how many know the pastor's not born again? That is not good. I remember going a few times, and, and, and I remember this all the time. This is such an amazing thing to me. Uh, my brother, who's sitting right over there, he's my older brother by a lot of years. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm the older brother, but I've said that for so long. Half of you believe that he's the older one. <laughs> Clearly looks it. And so I, my brother and I, we used to sleep in the same room with di different beds. He had a bed over here. I had a bed over here. And what I would do every night when I was five, six, and seven, right around in there, Listen to this. This is so unique. Every single night, I would turn away from my brother, turn to the wall, and I would preach myself to sleep. Now, how unusual is that for a five- and six-year-old kid? Every single night. I would think to myself, man, that preaching is better than the pastor at that church. <laughs> I really did think that. And to be honest with you, I was probably right. Now, what was happening there? How many of the Bible talks about in Ephesians 2.10, Joshua chapter 1, and Galatians chapter 1, that you and I are called before the very foundation of the world? Every one of you, there's a destiny that God has on your life that he predetermined before the very foundation of the world in the mind of God. That's why it's so important not to simply tromp around in life. Destiny is not something to be decided. Destiny is something to be discovered. So here I was as a person, a child not born again, but I had a call on my life. And I would preach myself to sleep every night. I don't remember when my innocence left and I began to understand right and wrong and sin. That left. And I never did it again until the moment that I was born again. And that call from the foundation of the world resurfaced in my life and came flooding back to me. And here I am today doing exactly what God called me to do before the very foundation of the world. And it's not just for the pastor. It's for every person in the house. God has a destination for you, but it's time that we got his vision. Helping anybody. Third thing that we need to know, and it's true, when you have vision, how you feel doesn't drive your decisions. As I share all the time, feelings are meant to be felt, but they're not meant to be followed. Allow them in the car, just don't allow them in the driver's seat. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. If you follow your feelings, and only your feelings for one month, I promise you I'll visit you in jail. Feelings, folks, are not meant to be followed. I thank God when they're there, but I don't make decisions based on how I feel. I make my decisions based on God's vision for my life. There's times, as I mentioned, I love college football. We're one of the few churches that has a Saturday service. I don't know if you know it, but college football is on Saturday. There's times I feel like watching my team on Saturday, but I come and preach. You know why? 
because my vision always guides my decision, not how I feel. Some of you, I'm very proud of you. Very, there's a lot of people that stayed at home today, and they're right now in their Spider-Man pajamas. But you came because you did not allow your feelings to guide your decision. You want to get closer to God, and so you're in the house of God. You might as well cheer because I'm talking about you. Fourth thing that you need to know about vision, the vision you have for your life gives you self-imposed standards. What do we just see in Proverbs 29 and verse 18? The Bible says, if you have no vision, you cast off restraint. The opposite is true. If you've got vision, you have restraint. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I come and minister to you every Saturday, every Sunday, every Wednesday, Tuesday night at World Changers Bible Institute. Every other Thursday night, I minister to our young adults, and I know I'm going to do that. I have a vision to do that. So I don't spend all day on Netflix so that when I come to you, I'm just full of the world. I want to make sure because of my vision that I impose self-standards on my life so that when I come to Brett and when I come to Christine on a cold day in January, that I give them some warm home-cooked food and not just simply microwave from the Internet. Because if they're going to come out to the house of God on a cold day, and they live, I think, all the way in Carthage, if they're going to come all the way out from Carth Carthage, which is right next to nothing, <laughs> then they deserve to hear the good word of God. Could I have an amen? And it's the same thing for you, ladies and gentlemen. When you have vision for your life, you have self-imposed standards. You've got somewhere to go. What, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, number five will explain even more what I'm trying to say. Vision is where you see something so important tomorrow that you have discipline today. In, in other words, I've got a vision in this area of my life and in that area of my life and the other area of my life, so therefore it's going to now affect the decisions that I make today because I'm heading somewhere. I'm not just tromping around in life. Now, we're going to talk about five areas of discipline very quickly. These are sub-sub points. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to be very, very, you're already kind of quiet Sunday morning, but you're going to be even quieter when we talk about this. And I can't wait. <laughs> Let me give you some areas here of what I'm talking about. Well, let's get practical about it and be honest about it. Number one, if I have vision for my health, I can't eat that today. See how quiet I told you you'd be? In other words, I've got a vision for my health. I, I, I want to be, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, uh, and it's so funny, in America, we take all of our health when we're young and trade it in for our wealth. But then when we get old, because we've made that trade, now we take all of our wealth and try to trade it back in for our health. That doesn't make any sense to me. So because it doesn't make any sense to me, I decided I'm not going to play that way. I'm going to make sure, because I have a vision for my health, I want to be in my 70s and have abs because I want you to visit my YouTube channel. <laughs> I want to be in my 70s and have full of energy preaching like I do right now because I'm excited. Listen, I can run circles around half you young turkeys because I have a vision for my health. I want to make a difference for the Lord for a long time. So I can't eat that today. I, every part of my flesh wants to eat that today. But I can't because I got a vision. See how quiet I told you that you'd be? And just trust me, you'll be even quieter in a moment. 
Look at number two, and it's powerful. I have a vision for my finances, so I can't buy that today. Maybe tomorrow, maybe later, maybe when my finances are in a better spot, but not today because I have a vision for my finances. And if your vision, well, I'm going to be dependent on the government. Great vision. God bless you. I've got some land in in Carthage I would like to sell you. The third one, oh, my goodness, you're going to be so quiet on this one. Oh, I'm looking forward to it already. I have a vision for my future marriage. I can't have sex today. See, none of you would even laugh on that. Now, single people, if you look at me now. You, all, not, you don't have to raise your hand. You can get off FarmersOnly.com right now and look at me. Now, now, let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. Let me help you here. If you have a vision for your marriage... You can't have sex today. Now, if you're married, the opposite is true. And we'll leave it at that. Could I have an amen? But if you're here and you're single, now, now you say, because we, we hear all the time in our culture, watch this now, about safe sex. Can I switch that for you biblically? How about sacred sex? Because sex is God-guided, God-guarded, and God-given. All the married people are clapping for me. Now, now single people, listen to me now. Listen to me. Why did you say God-given? Because I want you to understand something. God is not the cosmic killjoy in the sky. God invented sex. Not you, Hefner. But listen to me very close. I mean, God, how cool is God? God is the most awesome God in the whole world. Here's Adam and Eve, and here and he said, okay, Adam, take a nap. And when Adam wakes up, there is a naked woman in front of him. <laughs> oh, God, you are awesome. <laughs> now, now, don't get nervous on me because that's biblical. Don't, don't get nervous. Now, listen, God invented sex. But he invented one fireplace for that passion. And that fireplace is between one man and one woman before God Almighty in marriage. In marriage. In marriage. So, see, we think because of the culture, we think, you know, God's a cosmic killer. No, no, no. He's the one who invented it. And he wants you to keep that passion in that fireplace because when you keep it in the fireplace, it'll warm you and bless you. There's nothing like on a cold day like this just to have a warm fireplace to look at the beauty of that fire and to feel the warmth of it. It's a wonderful thing. But the moment that you take it out of that fireplace and turn it into fornication, which is marriage, which is sex outside of marriage, or adultery, which is sex outside of marriage, or homosexuality, which is sex outside of marriage, or lesbianism, or any kind of ism which is outside of one man and one woman before God Almighty in marriage. Now you take that out of the fireplace and you put that onto the living room rug. That which was intended to warm you and bless you will kill you. Now, I can feel people turning me off on YouTube every which way. And if you, listen, if you struggle with that, I need you to take that up with my sweet Lord Jesus. 
because he's the one that initiated that process. Now, why? Because he's mean and judgmental? No, nothing could be any further from the truth because he's the creator and he knows how you will function best and he knows what will destroy you. So because he loves you dearly, it's not about safe sex. It's about sacred sex because sex should be God-guided, God-guarded because it is God-given. Help anybody in the house today. Don't be mad at the preacher. That's designed to help you and bless you. You say, Pastor, it's too late. I've already ruined that. Listen, you know how transparent I am. Remember now, I did not give my life to the Lord till I was 20. I lost my virginity at 15 years of age, and I was sexually active until I got married. And listen to me very, very closely, or until, until I got born again. And listen to me very closely. I'm not throwing rocks at you because I understand. I get that. I was there. But I'm challenging everybody in the house to be now what I have, what I call secondary virginity. You can't go back and unring that bell. I couldn't. You can't go back and unscramble that egg. I couldn't. But what I could do now is say, okay, can't go back and fix that, but I can live for the Lord from here. Helping anybody from here. That's all you can do is live your life is from here. Well, I, Pastor, too late, I, I've already had a child out of wedlock. From here. That's all I can tell you is from here at this church, we don't want you to take baggage with you. We want you to take luggage with you. Helping anybody. Man, that's good preaching. Thank you. Man, that's powerful. I can see clearly now the sex has stopped. It's going to be a bright, bright sunshine day. It's going to be a bright, bright. Ah, you People have no idea how to have church, none whatsoever. Helping anybody? But you got to have a vision. You got to have a vision. Me and Irene like that preaching. Fourth thing that you need to know, and it's true, if I have a vision for my walk with God, then I go to spend time with him today. Well, I want a better walk with God. Whoop-de-doo. You're going to have a vision, and that vision now will impose self-standards on your life. i got to have Bible before I do breakfast. Fifth thing that you need to know, and it really is true, if I have a vision to make my life count, i got to be faithful to the local church today. Listen, what you may not know, we've got this beautiful facility. Everything's debt-free. We minister to thousands every single week. We're honored to do it. But what you don't know is my first job at the local church not pay for volunteer was mowing the lawn. I did such a good job with that, Brett, that I graduated to taking out the garbage. Everybody wants this. Nobody wants that. May I challenge you? I had a vision. I had somewhere to go. I knew I needed to be faithful today at the local church. May I challenge you? On the way out, grab that brochure. Come to that class today. Quit being just a spectator. Be a participator. People will say, well, I'm not called to preach. That doesn't matter. If you're faithful in the local church, God will actually promote you in your business. Because the local church is the grounds of where we are to give our time and talent and treasure to and to be faithful. <laughs> Got to have a vision. The only person clapping is my paid staff. <laughs> Next thing that you need to know about vision, number six, if you're living for the moment, this is a subtitle, simply reveals you've got no vision for tomorrow. 
I'm okay. I like it. I'm okay. How many have heard that song before? No, you're not okay. If you're living for the moment, you have no vision for your life. I don't even know if that's the words. I just going off what Pastor Dave told me. Seventh thing that you need to know, check it out. I can't have that vision and hang around that person, place, or participate in that. If I got a vision, I can't, I, sorry, dude, can't do it. Now, you, look at your pastor. 44 years ago, whatever it was, I was an alcoholic checking IDs at a bar. I understand what it means to be an addict. When you're an addict, you lie about everything. That was me. And when you're an addict, you do anything you can for alcohol, whatever, you, you just you do what you got to do. I talked, because I've overcome all of that stuff, I talked to a lot of people that are recovering from that, and they find hope, and, and, and we teach classes on it, how you can do it too, biblically. And we're excited about that. It's for everybody. God wants you free. But because I do that, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of the dudes will say, yeah, but I fall back into it, man. I just seem to fall back into it. Almost always, my first question is, okay, talk to me about who, you, who are you hanging around? Well, I'm still hanging around my old drug addict friends. L look at your pastor. Well, you say, I said, why are you doing that? Well, I, you know, I love them. I want them to get saved. There, there, there can be a time for that. But it's not now. You're not strong enough. You, you, you got to get out of Dodge and allow yourself to become whole because whole people help people. But hurting people hurt people. So many times it's not about what. People focus on the what. Why can't I get over this what? And a lot of times it's your who. And if I can fix your who, your what will automatically change. Because listen to me very, very closely. I, if you can show me your three closest friends, I'll show you you. Show me your three closest friends, I'll show you your future. And association gives you motivation for your destination. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse, or 13 and verse 20, the Bible says, if you hang around wise people, you'll be wise. But if you hang around foolish people, the Bible says, the companion of fools are destroyed. Notice it didn't say that the fool was destroyed. It was the companion of the fool that's destroyed. The devil wants to keep the fool around so he can destroy more companions. Notice the drunk driver. It's almost always the drunk driver that's not hurt. It's his companions that die. That's good preaching. So it's not always your what. It's your who. If you got a vision, I can't hang on that person. I can't go to that place. I can't participate in that. Why would I make such a low decision when I have such a high calling? Next thing you need to know about vision, are you learning anything today? Are you just still shivering? This is powerful. This is from Habakkuk. Initially, you'll have to defend your vision. Eventually, your vision will defend you. Remember what we saw in Habakkuk? You know, wait for it. It takes a while. It's going to delay. But you've got to speak it. You've got to write it down so other people can run with it. Let me give you the next one because it will augment what I'm saying. Look at, look at number nine. Initially, you'll have to speak for your vision. Eventually, your vision will speak for you. Now, let me, let me give you some practicals as I always do. Let me, let me talk to you about that from Habakkuk. You'll see this clearly. This church is 20-plus years old. We started it 20-plus years ago. And I remember we started with 18 people, knew nobody. We, we, this is a one-horse town when we got here. There was a microtel, a waffle house, and a cow. 
It was a one-horse town. God has done so many beautiful things in the city. We had no clue. We knew God had called us here, and we had a vision from the get-go. We felt it was from him, and I would talk to our people. We had 18 people, we had 20 people. We got up to like 40 people. I would talk to our people, and I'd say, man, there's going to be so many people that give their lives to Jesus here. And at the time, we had, you know, 40 people that are all saved. And so, but I would do altar calls every Sunday morning, every Sunday. And listen, nobody came. Nobody came when I said, who, who wants to receive Jesus? No one lifted their hand. No one walked their aisle. They were all born again. But I would do it every single Sunday, week after week and month after month. And it seemed for about a year and a half, I had Christians in the church that would tell me, Pastor, I felt so sorry for you. Even though I've been born again for years, I wanted to walk the aisle just so you'd shut up. But I had a vision, and I kept sharing the gospel in hopes that our Christians would bring people that don't know the Lord. And I remember when finally that first one came. And now just last year, we had the most people, 687 people in one year in just the churches. There's been over, I think, six, 7,000, something like that, people that have given their lives to the Lord. Initially, I had to speak for the vision. Now the vision's speaking for me. Let me give you another example of that. Way back when we started the church, I told everybody it's going to be a regional church. And people were staying away from the church by the thousands. Not only was it not regional, but it was not even local. People wouldn't come from a block away. My mother lived here, and she wouldn't come. No one was coming, but I told everybody, it's going to be a local church. Why? I knew I had a vision from God. I knew it. I knew it. It's going to be a, a, a regional church. They're going to come from everywhere, just from everywhere. And now people come from all over, from Carthage, from Watertown, if you can find Watertown, places you don't know where it even is on the map. <laughs> they, come, they come from Brentwood. They go, we, had, we had families that come all the way from, what's the one where the Stankies are from? Clarksville, thank you. They, took, they would take the last train in from Clarksville. And they kept for years would come, but now they had to, they finally moved to Mount Juliet because they just couldn't take the. But how many know a church that's alive is worth the drive? A church that's dead, you stay in bed. Regional church now. Now the vision is speaking for me. We have the most multicultural church in Wilson County. And I remember when we started, man, it was a bunch of white, white, white dudes. They all look like vampires. They all look like Swedish dudes. They'd be all like, hey, how you doing, Pastor? Here's my Swedish meatball. Hey, the hoodie, hey. <laughs> and I would tell everybody, no, 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 it's going to be multicultural. I know it looks like a bunch of vampires right now, but it's going to be multicultural. You watch. You watch. And I kept believing that. I remember the very first time, the first African-American that came to the church, I was like, oh, hello, Hi. I grabbed him, please come sit down. Do you have any friends? Bring your friends. <laughs> oh, come on, lighten up everybody in the house. Now, here we are, and the vision is speaking for me. And as I've said for forever, if you're prejudiced and you don't want to get free, don't let the door hit you on the way out. But if you're prejudiced and you want to get free, this is a great place to be. Originally, I had to speak for the vision, but now the vision is speaking for me. Same thing in your life. And then as we begin to close, think about it anyway. His vision, his provision. He guides, he provides. His will, 
He pays the bill. He authors. He finishes. Now look at your pastor. The opposite of that is true. Your vision, no provision. You guide, he's not obligated to provide. Your will doesn't have to pay the bill. He doesn't author, he's not obligated to finish. That's why it's so important that we don't just have our vision and say, okay, God, come along on my destination and bless me. I'm going to do whatever I want to do and not consult you in anything that I do, but I expect you to bless me because the TV preacher said that you would. That's not the Bible, folks. That's why destiny must be discovered and not decided. God, what's your vision for my life? Stop being afraid of that. His vision for your life is the only time and place that you're going to be satisfied and have purpose and meaning and peace. And now all of a sudden, where his vision is, his provision is. He loves you more than you could ever be loved. His plan for your life is so much greater than your tiny little plan for your life that you want to do. I mean, if all you ever think of, well, it's 20 degrees here, so as soon as I can, I'm going to move to Florida. And if that's all you ever think about, listen, you need to talk to God about that because he's not obligated to guide and provide if he hasn't guided. You can be in Florida and warm with no provision. Helping anybody in the house. Lastly, and this is true, number 11, clarity of vision mobilizes man and money to mission. When you've got God's vision... And you can make it clear like we've done here. Then all of a sudden, God begins to call people along your side that have time and talent and treasure that will provide what God's called you to do, whether that's in the ministry world or whether God's called you in the business arena. Clarity of vision for your life mobilizes man and money to mission. So please look at your pastor for just a moment. God's got a destination for everybody in the house, and it's far greater than your destination and if we're just simply living for the moment, it shows that we have no vision in our life. May I challenge everybody as we're going to God's destination in 2024, let's take his vision with us. Because if we don't have vision, we're going to end up somewhere else. 